0: This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM channel 371.
1: Hi everybody, it's Packer and Durham. Well, at least it's Durham. And today it's ESPN.com's Andrea Adelson who's here for three hours. Yes, one half of the program is back. Yes, thank you very much. The Ten Mug Club, always impressive. Um, good <laughs> to see you, by the way. How are you?
0: Great to see you, Wes. I am fantastic. How are you?
1: I'm good. I've had a couple nice days of uh, off the back end of last week and working the PGA. And uh, thanks, by the way, here at the top. Let me thank Drew Carter and Dana Boyle for. Precedent setting show 633, which was Packer and Durham without either Packer or Durham. Uh, so thanks to Drew and Dana for a great job. And we hope the last couple of days you've enjoyed the best of uh, the Amelia Island spring meetings. When We'll talk about that with Andrea in length here uh, shortly because there are some things we probably need to react to a little bit more that have happened probably post-script of the last couple of weeks since those meetings wrapped up. But uh, it is great to have you here. Thanks for doing the next two days. And then Drew Carter will be with me the first of next week when we set baseball regionals and things like that. Um, let's. Uh, but, but first of all, Andrea, I have to share a story here with you real quick. Um, when he got ready to go on this vacation, my, long, quote, my long-deserved vacation I haven't had for 11 months, Mark <laughs> Packer's statement, by the way. He said to us, he said to us collectively, our group, our our little fun family here of Chrissy and Casey and the uh, producer emeritus, Drew Brooks, founding producer of Packer and Durham, as I like to say, uh, he said, now when the plane takes off, I'm off the grid. Okay, Pack, got it. You're off the grid. Have a great trip. We're thrilled for you. Go enjoy Italy. Have a blast. You're going to have you know, you're going to have sweets for the first time. You're going to have bread for the first time since January or whatever the case may be. <laughs> you look fantastic. Go have a great time. He's taking pictures with ACC Network hats and mugs everywhere he goes, Andrew.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah, he was getting some kind of kickbacks to be able to do that. You know, uh, spreading the love while also, hey, all right, uh, got to do some promotional work. Make sure we have all those fans out in Italy who care so much about the ACC. Uh, In all seriousness, though, Wes, I would love to just have been packed in his suitcase so I could tag along. I would have worn any ACC Network gear that it took to be able to, I don't know, even carry the suitcase to be able to go to the places that they've been so far.
1: Yeah, there's the Pac-Man, Lake Como, you know. Soon to be the Amalfi Coast. Look at this view. Come on, really? I know. Holy come cow. Come on. Oh, there's do, Mrs. B do with George come Clooney back. having lunch. <laughs> 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 do, do we know if he's coming back? Yeah, he's coming back. It's a couple of weeks now, but he's still... Yes, he's reportedly going to be back sometime <laughs> the first week in June. Um, from his trip to Italia, but uh, Mark and Amy and uh, Gigi and Emmy having a fabulous time and uh, appreciate him sharing pictures and promoting the network, as, uh, as we like to say. Um, but uh, amazing, amazing pictures. The places. oh, and by the way, by the way, the talking point for the last three months, Kim Llewellyn, of course, of Wake Forest, one of the great women's golf programs in the ACC, Packer had her on, said he was going to Italy, and he's going to, by the way, have a day trip to Switzerland. So did he take the Wake Forest flag into Switzerland? Yes, he did. And here's the picture. (laughs) The Swiss have arrived in St. Moritz. This is unbelievable. I mean, come on, really? So there you go. I love
0: it. That's
1: that's commitment and
0: dedication right there. I love it.
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure how far over the line into Switzerland he got, but nonetheless, technically Switzerland. So uh, the Deeks are in Switzerland with Packer on the vacation. Um, By the way, uh, Andrea, you have been busy as well. Now, some of this is related to ESPN.com. Some of this is not related to ESPN.com.
0: Yeah, it's not as fancy as going to Italy and the Alps, but uh, little AA, who some folks might know, my uh, 11-year-old daughter who does the picks with me during football season and uh, beat David Hale in the picks uh, last football season, (laughs) well, she just had her fifth-grade graduation. And somehow, someway, I was put in charge of the decorations. So we've got the theme here. Level up to sixth grade video games and uh, put together some wonderful decorations for the ceiling there. I'm available for your next party, uh, if interested. I made this little Pac-Man rendition. So, yes, uh, I am for hire. If anybody wants someone to make children's decorations for parties, let me know.
1: (laughs) Holy smokes! I mean, seriously? Yeah. How did... I mean, well, okay. a lot of what's work. What's more difficult? I, you, no kidding. Um, what's more difficult? Covering college football or that?
0: <laughs> okay. It, that was okay. It was trying to manage the children once they got into the room yesterday and saw all the decorations and attempted to rip them down off the ceiling, guys. This was the most rambunctious group of fifth graders that I have ever seen. We had to take stuff away from them within five minutes of the party that we had set out for them to uh, play with. These lightsaber sticks, yeah, those broke almost immediately. So trying to corral about 90 11-year-olds who were so excited to have a party in school for the first time in three years, Way harder than covering a college football game. I have experience doing that. Yeah. I don't have much experience with rowdy fifth graders all together in one room.
1: <laughs> oh, love it. I love it. <laughs> parties. Scholastic scholastic end-of-year parties. Bless our hearts. All right. Um, yeah. Here's the lineup uh, for the show today, by the way. Uh, Rhett Lauder, the ACC's Pitcher of the Year from Wake Forest, will be here in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, 9-15, Adam Rittenberg will join us, Uh, Andrea's colleague at ESPN.com, who's been with us several times before. Looking forward to having Adam back. Uh, We'll dig into a few things here about uh, Lane Kiffin's comments, which we're going to get to in a moment, along with kind of the landscape of where we are as this uh, off-season of college football begins. And then 9-30, Danny Graves will bring us the latest uh, from his chair as the ACC baseball analyst. Uh, we'll talk to him about what's transpired in Charlotte. And before we get to break, uh, we should recap what's happened at the ACC Baseball Tournament because it has been a fast and furious uh, Tuesday and Wednesday in uptown at Truist Field. And, uh, and really, uh, what's happened there is, uh, as predicted last week, we told you the ball might fly out of there last night or during this week, and last night it did fly out of there. Uh, Tommy White went to work last night in his uh, second game of the ACC tournament and tied a tournament record with three home runs in the win over Miami. NC State won the ball game by a final of 9-6. to six. This is his first inning home run, reaches the seats in right. Then in his second at bat, in the third, that's a laser into the seats in right. And then in the sixth, he does this. Tommy White hit three home runs last night. NC State beat Miami 9-6. to The Wolfpack have gone 2-0 and in Pool C, so they are automatically into the semifinals. And on Saturday afternoon at 5 o'clock, you'll see them right here on ACC Network. That's Game 2 of the Saturday semifinals in this pool play format. The other story beyond Tommy White that's emerged from Charlotte is the play of Mike Bell and the Pitt Panthers who lost the weekend series at the end of the regular season to Georgia Tech. They were the 11th seed in the tournament. Georgia Tech ended up the 7th seed. They beat Georgia Tech Tuesday morning to start the tournament. And then yesterday, they took out the 2-seed Louisville on a walk-off. 6-5 the final. Pittsburgh wins Pool B. And the reason they win Pool B is because they beat Georgia Tech and they beat Louisville in the first two days of the tournament. So guess what? Pittsburgh's hanging around for two days in uh, Charlotte, and they'll play in the Saturday semifinal against NC State. So you've already got a semifinal figured out after two days. That's why pool play is so interesting at times. It does conserve the pitching. That was one of the reasons they went to that format a few years ago. The other idea here, Andrea, is – now the ACC, according to Aaron fit of D1 Baseball this morning, they got a possibility of 11 teams making the NCAA tournament next week, with Pittsburgh doing what they've done and certainly NC State as the 10 seed also winning their pool. So the formats, you know, you can mix or match double elimination versus pool, but the bottom line is the ACC could potentially be a huge beneficiary here.
0: And that's probably one of the reasons why they decided to go to this format is to try and help those uh, NCAA hopes. But when we talk to Danny a little bit later, I want to hear his thoughts on NC State. You know, this was a team that was the story last year in the College World Series. And I mm-hmm. wonder whether now that we're into postseason play, they feel like there may be a team on a mission to make up for what happened at the end of last season. That's definitely a team I'm keeping my eye on.
1: Yep. The other uh, ball game yesterday, Florida State the nine seed, beat Virginia the five seed, thirteen to three. The Knowles had fifteen hits. Alex Torral hit two home runs. Uh so did Reese Albert and uh the uh the two teams, uh Florida State will move on to play Notre Dame this afternoon at three o'clock. Of note here, if Florida State wins the game, they will move into a uh into the spot of the Pool D semifinals. Why? Because they will be 2-0 in their pool. And that pretty much takes care of it. Uh, if Florida State were to lose today to Notre Dame and Virginia and Notre Dame, uh, if they everybody ends up 1-1, one one, <clears throat> the higher-seeded team will go. And that would be, obviously, the four seed Notre Dame. So that's the other ball game uh, from yesterday. And it also sets the schedule for today, Georgia Tech and Louisville, 11 a.m., you can say the only regret or negative idea in pool play is you have games that don't have any meaning to them. Georgia Tech and Louisville have no meaning to it today at 11 a.m. Notre Dame and Florida State is at three. And then tonight, Virginia Tech, John Sheff, the ACC coach of has done a fabulous job with the Hokies. They make their tournament debut, and they'll do that against Clemson uh, tonight in Charlotte. Uh, and, of course, we'll have the semifinals for you at one and five here on Saturday on ACC Network. So that kind of gets you up to date on baseball uh, and the way it all shakes out in pool play. I was trying to think of anything else that uh, we need to cover here. Oh, uh, we mentioned Danny Graves and Adam Rittenberg. Uh, We will get to this Lane Kiffin NIL thing. Andrea, we do not yet, and it's been a week, a week today, that that D1 council kind of took down the walls on divisions. Uh, or gave you the option to take down walls on divisions. We have not had, at least to my knowledge, is, is there a plan to have a scheduling vote at any point here in the next couple of weeks? I mean, I was asked about that yesterday, ironically.
0: It's a great question, Wes, and I checked with a few athletic directors uh, yesterday to try and figure out what was going on because when we were in mm-hmm. Amelia Island a few weeks ago, it felt like this was going to be happen sooner rather than later. And once the right. D1 Council ruled, we saw the Pac-12 almost immediately announce, "We're doing this," uh, mm-hmm. and and the Mountain West has announced it. But we haven't really heard anything from the ACC, and I think they're still trying to figure out what are those permanent opponents going to look like. You know, I tried doing my my sheet here, which is probably it's, it's here, <laughs> it's all highlighted, but it's probably <laughs> completely wrong and messed up. Because you can have so many different combinations for so many of these teams trying to figure out the three permanent that they're going to play, whether balancing rivalries, geographic considerations, fairness, Mm -hmm. making sure one team doesn't get overloaded compared to the other. So I think these are the things they're all sitting here trying to work through. They did have a a regularly scheduled call (laughs) yesterday. Scheduling came up, uh, but to my knowledge, there is no set timetable for a vote just yet, Uh, and as one athletic director told me, they don't really feel like they're in a rush to do it because this wouldn't be happening until the 23 season, so this can happen as late as this summer for them to be able to figure out what those teams are going to look like and when they want to vote on it.
1: All right, that's there's your latest right there. That's why we have somebody like Andrea on this show when Packer's out of town, because we get the latest information. We will, uh, we will continue more of the football conversation coming up, including the SP Plus rankings that are out for the first time. They've been updated to reflect transfer portal and whatnot. We'll get to that in a second. Quick reminder to you about those baseball semifinals, though, that come up on ACC Network this weekend. Gabby Sanchez, Mike Monaco going to be in Charlotte to cover you there. One o'clock for game one of the semifinals. And then you know already Game two, NC State in Pittsburgh. five o'clock, this first pitch schedule right here on ACC Network and always streaming on the ESPN app. All right, when we come back, the SP plus rankings are out. We'll get to that. And Lane Kiffin, in some ways, he's the gift that keeps on giving. We will come back, talk about the ACC and the SP Plus metrics and more when we continue. Packer and Durham with Andrea Adelson next on ACC Network. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Welcome back. Packer and Durham. Andrea Adelson here for Pack the next couple days. Appreciate that as always. Um... In case you missed our visit with Bubba Cunningham last week, that's coming up next hour. Um, it's really good. And Bubba Cunningham, one of the more foremost thinkers about kind of where college athletics is. So that's coming up in the next hour. Uh, if you hadn't seen it, about 8.15, Rhett Louder, 8.45. This morning, the ACC Pitcher of the Year from Wake Forest. Uh, Andrea, I-, I said this, and I-, I don't mean this in a negative light, but Lane Kiffin is the gift that keeps on giving in college football. I mean – Seemingly not much of a filter, doesn't mind speaking his uh, thoughts, uh, will do them in snap judgment occasionally. Uh, oftentimes they are brash. Sometimes, however, when you step back from what he said, you go, well, you know what, he's, he's probably not lying here. Um, and he just talked to Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated and basically – called NIL out for what it is. And I, the money quote to me is, you used to be able to recruit kids. Now it's about where they're going to get the most money. Just give me an initial thought on, on where you think Lane Kiffin left it with Ross Dellinger and Sports Illustrated.
0: Lane is a coach who, after what happened at USC, is someone who's just doesn't care what people think about him anymore. And so I think that's why... We have seen him become more increasingly outspoken as the years have gone on with some trolling and the memes and stuff he does on social media. Uh, He's just someone who's going to tell you what's actually going on, and he's not wrong in any of these comments. There are coaches who said a lot of these things at Amelia Island during ACC meetings with the tape recorders off um, because there are players who are going on recruiting visits right now who are saying to coaches up front, if I come here, what am I going to get in terms of money Mm -hmm. with NIL deals that are now being disguised as pay for play? And a lot of the coaches that we talked to said, if a player comes in my office and that's the first thing they're asking me, I'm not so sure I want to recruit that guy anymore because he doesn't fit the ethos of what we want our program to be. And that sounds all well and good to a reporter, but in practice and in reality, Mm When this is what's happening in recruiting, how can you start saying no to guys who are coming out with their hands open, saying, what am I gonna get? Because more and more players are going to continue to do this beyond just the elite ESPN 300, right? If you're a player Mm -hmm. and you're sitting there and you're seeing what's happening with a teammate or a guy you're on a seven-on-seven team with or somebody at another school, well, you're gonna start to ask for your own too. Uh, And this is not a situation that these student athletes or these recruits have created. This is the situation that the adults in the room have created around them. So, of course, they're going to ask what's in it for me when you see what the headlines have been over the last year. So I don't disagree with anything Lane Kiffin said in these comments to Ross. I applaud him for speaking openly, candidly and honestly about them and putting his name on the comments.
1: Yeah, it's his comments are always to the point. Um, There's not a lot of dancing around with him. And I think some people appreciate it because they're. They're tired of talking in generalities and he talks in the specifics. And the other question, though, that is raised, and this is a coach in a Power Five league, uh, the most successful Power Five league from a football perspective, obviously. Um, when he brings it up that, you know, I've always said from the beginning players should get paid, they do the work. We are slowly but surely getting, well, we're not slowly because this has moved pretty fast in 11 months. I think we can all agree with that. Um, in 11 months, we've gotten to a point where, and this is why I think, you know, Pac and I talk with Bubba, and you'll hear that in the Bubba Cunningham interview coming up in the next hour. Andrew, I think the bigger concern for coaches is where does the cutoff happen here, right? Because this can't, this is not sustainable right here. This, this model under these guidelines and these requirements, this doesn't work for most of these universities at this point.
0: Well, that's absolutely correct, and I know he's not an ACC coach, but after what happened last week between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban and the argument that they got into about pay-for-play and what Texas A&M was doing and what Nick Saban thinks is going on over there, I reached out to Stanford coach David Shaw because he's generally the voice of reason in a lot of these debates and discussions. And one of the things that he pointed out to me is that, look— We all understand that NIL is here. We don't disagree with players getting to earn money off of the name, image, and likeness. What the concern is, is that there are now coaches who are enticing players, whether it be recruits or players on your current roster, to leave Mm -hmm. with the promise of more money. And so how is that a sustainable system when you have guys who are leaving conferences like the ACC, through the transfer portal, when they probably already have some sort of guarantee waiting for them on the other side. That's the monster Mm. that we've created. That's in David Shaw's words. And now we have to figure out a way to rein it in. The question, of course, is how do you sit here and rein it in when it's already become what it is? Uh, And that's where I think some coaches feel the NCAA has to step in. And there are others who say... There's no way the NCAA can step in because they've already given up on this situation a long, long time ago. So there are a lot of concerns that it's just going to continue to grow these gaps between the elite and then the mid-tier elite and then everybody else based on which collective filled with boosters can offer the Mm. best, most enticing NIL deal that's really disguised as pay-for-play.
1: Is it... (laughs) Do you sense that the coaches are living in a bigger fear of what is ahead than anybody else involved in this equation? Players, administrators, fans, those of us in the media that cover the sport. Do you think the coaches are living in that that world of fright, so to speak, about where this is going, maybe more than anyone else?
0: Well, there's no question, especially because there are a lot of coaches. And I know you've talked to the same folks that I have, Wes, mm-hmm. who have been ringing this alarm for a couple of years now. This is where it's going. Yeah. This is where it's headed. If the NCAA, NCAA doesn't want to step in, we're going to be headed for uh, a scenario that we have right now. I think what surprised some folks is the accelerated speed in which loopholes uh, have been taken advantage of in NIL. Uh, and where we are right now with those collectives and some of the boosters who have been involved in some of that. Uh, But there are a lot of folks who raised these warning signs and stood by and watched as nothing was done, and now here we are, and who's going to step up to the plate and figure out a way to try and at least not necessarily fix it, but put some parameters around it so that it can become less pay-for-play and more what it was intended to be, which is athletes taking advantage of their own name, image, and likeness to create opportunities for themselves to make money. So, yes, and it's beyond just how can we keep up and have collectives that can offer NIL deals to our players. It's also about roster management, as I alluded to before, and this fear of having to continually re-recruit your own roster, your own players every single day to make sure that they're not going to leave you at the last second for some opportunity that may be waiting down the bend, right? It's not anymore a player who has a high school coach and a parent and maybe a mentor who's in their ear. There are so many other folks who are now involved in all of this who are talking to players about, hey, this is what I got this guy, and this is what we could potentially get for you. And, oh, did you see what your buddy over here made? Why don't you think about doing this and that? And we've seen some stories in the ACC of guys staying put um, when there were some offers for them to leave. But then we've also Mm -hmm. seen other guys who've left uh, when they've had different opportunities. And so that continually... uh, situation where the coaches are having to to manage what are their own rosters going to look like? What is recruiting going to look like? How do we get involved with the NIL? Make sure we're providing those opportunities. Uh, it, it puts a lot on a coach to make sure that uh, they're doing the right things to be able to keep their roster in place.
1: One more point here before we get to break, and then we'll do the SP plus on the other side. Um, the money quote for me, outside of the one at the top where he says, you know, kids are signing for money as opposed to you know signing with programs type deal, um, is at the end when he tells Ross Dellinger, and this is the cautionary tale of the whole deal. He tells Ross Dellinger that their kids not even taking visits anymore; that it is strictly a okay X dollars is coming my way. I'm signing with that school. That's a scary thought right there. That shows you, I think, how fine this line has gotten and really how dangerous it's going to be going forward because if you're signing originally out of high school for the money, which, by the way, you're not supposed to have any access to until you get to campus as, I, as the rule was originally written, you're doing that, but you also know you have this out card in the back, Andrea, where if you don't like it after a year, you can transfer. You can just hop on the portal and go somewhere else the lack of kind of integrity of the system here is really being challenged on several fronts. It feels like the further we go down the road this way.
0: And one other point that I think is a a good one that Lane made during the interview is what happens when these collectives who are paying millions of dollars in quote name, image, and likeness for a player to come onto their team doesn't play. Does the booster now tell the head coach, hey, look, we paid some really good money for this player here, and and he needs to see the field. Again, that's against the rules because that is the definition of pay for play. (laughs) But a lot of what we have seen here with NILs goes against the spirit of what it was intended to be. And so you can sit here and start going down all of these rabbit holes that Lane Kiffin has gone down explaining where this could eventually end up. And from the head coach's seat, it all makes sense, right? Of course, as a head coach, yep. well, you, were, you were already worried about parents complaining about playing time to you, right? Hey, why isn't my son out there starting? Why isn't he getting more reps? Why isn't he getting more touchdowns? But now you've invited in an entirely different group of people who are paying money for a guy to be on your roster. And then what, right? Then what happens if they're not getting the ROI, the return on investment? So there are a lot of different situations that I think we're going to see as the money has grown larger here with these collectives over the last six months and the infiltration and what's happened with recruiting about what's going to happen moving forward down the line. And, and, and one more point here from David Sean. I know he sounds kind of Pollyanna when he says this, like, oh, yeah, we're in roses and daisies and it'll be fine. He's like, look, I mean, the bottom line is if these boosters and collectives start seeing they're not getting a return on investment, well, maybe the money's yep. going to go down. Well, that's no, that's not going to happen, right? They're just going to go to the next guy. And offer the next guy and offer the next guy and so on and so forth so that's why the situation that we're in is so difficult for a lot of folks who are in it right now to understand and handle and figure out a way to to make it work because there are a lot of forces at play that aren't in the control of the coach and we all know how much coaches love to have control and they don't have control in this situation (sighs)
1: No doubt. No doubt. It's, uh, it's worth your time. Uh, Ross Dellinger did a great job writing the piece. Lane Kiffin, of course, is, as I said, he tends to be an open book at times. Sometimes it's merited. He gives you stuff that you can latch on to. This would be stuff that I think you would, uh, you would enjoy reading more about uh, Ross's piece. When we come back, uh, we will dive into the SP Plus metric. It's a lot of math, though. I'm a little worried. In fact, I don't even understand the metrics. I just see the way they're ranked. Uh, we'll come back and tell you where the ACC falls. Andrea Adelson's in for Pack. We continue with Packer and Durham next on ACC Network. Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Andrea Adelson's here for the next two days, by the way. <laughs> Mark remains on assignment. I, uh, I, I had a tweet Sunday night because I didn't want people to think they dialed in the wrong show Monday morning right Andrea so I said Drew Carter and Dana Boyle will be here Monday and da 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 I'll be on assignment PAX in Italy and I got so many response, respond what's your assignment you know that kind of thing I was well you know a couple of days off <laughs> never heard of anybody right I mean a day off is what it turned out being because Tuesday and Wednesday we have best of shows so everybody who helps put this show together I mean we've only done 634 of them today uh, we're going to get to some of your calls eight four four say ACCN. We will do that. Um, Andrea and David Hale, by the way, did a Twitter Spaces with Roddy Jones on Monday that had fire in it um, because they ranked quarterbacks. By the way, which you know you're just asking for trouble. Um, and then what's worse, they let they let other people participate. They kind of took calls on Twitter Spaces. Uh-huh. And I was texting Roddy going, what are y'all doing? Taking, letting people ask questions in Twitter spaces. Uh, So anyway, that was hilarious. But it's worth your time. We're going to go through these quarterback rankings eventually. It may be tomorrow's show. But I give you that story because what we're getting ready to do here is we're going to walk a very narrow wire over a very deep crevice in the earth. Okay? This is Bill Conley who is – for my money, one of the smartest guys when it comes to compiling football and metrics together. You know, Packer did not like analytics, so when he's gone, I can do all I want to do here with analytics. Bill does SP, and p SP+, where he projects football seasons, okay? He projects your offensive, and he projects your defense and your overall, okay? And we're going to show you where the ACC is. In Bill's latest updated full rankings, because this has come after the portal. Andrea, it starts with Clemson at six. Miami is 14. NC State is 18. Pittsburgh, 19. Florida State, 28. Louisville, 30. And then Carolina and Wake. Those are the top 50 teams from the ACC in Bill's SP Plus preseason.
0: Uh. Wes, I know I did the fifth grade party at our school, but I probably cannot pass fifth grade math. So all hail Bill (laughs) Connolly for putting these together with all the numbers and the stats. Because I'm telling you, I've tried to help little AA with homework. It hasn't worked out. I'm like, talk to me about writing. Don't talk to me about math. But... In all seriousness, when I look at the rankings, the the one that stands out is where Wake Forest is. And it shouldn't really because Wake Forest is always ranked low in these sorts of rankings uh, because uh, I think they take into account some statistical measures, but also potentially recruiting. I don't know. It's a whole bundle of numbers. But this is a team that is coming off an 11-win season. And returns their starting quarterback and their best receiver and a whole lot of quality players across the board on offense and defense might be their best offensive line. And yet, once again, they're what, ranked number eight uh, of those eight teams in the ACC. And I just personally have a hard time seeing Wake Forest taking a gigantic step backwards. Now, are they going to win 11 games again? I don't know the answer to that. But I also can't see them dropping back to being a seven and five team after the strides they've made, but also with all of the players that they have coming back to that team.
1: Yeah, the the thing that you're going to find as you get some of this preseason material about your team or other teams in the ACC, there are a lot more returning personnel really in this league, Andrea, and I, I don't have it in front of me and I haven't done the work on it yet. But you'd be hard-pressed to find a year where I think there are more players coming back in the ACC, especially in the volatile landscape we're now playing college football in, I'd say in the last five years. I mean, there are several teams that I can think of that are going to have 15, 16 or more starters back on their football team. That's an astounding situation when you think about where college football is right now.
0: And a lot of those teams are in the Atlantic division, which is why Mm. when I look at the Atlantic and if you look at where those rankings are, you see all those teams that are that are ranked. I've talked to some coaches and I've asked, is this the strongest that you've seen the Atlantic? And they're like, well, the Atlantic is always tough. Yes, the Atlantic is always tough. And a lot of that is because Clemson has run roughshod throughout that division. But now it feels like they've tightened up a little bit. And that anybody could potentially win that division. And, oh, by the way, a lot of those teams bring back their starting quarterback. And that's what made ranking the quarterback so difficult when David Hale and and I and Roddy tried to do it. Because when you look at the amount of returning starters coming back at the quarterback position, that's what makes it so much harder to not only do the ranking, but project where some of these teams are going to finish because there's a lot of quality players coming back there. And you can sit here and say, all right, well, with this guy coming back, this team X is going to be better. And this guy coming back, team Y is going to be better. And this guy coming back, team Z is going to be better. Oh, by the way, they're in the same division. So what is that going to mean for the division and how it all plays out? So um, I, I'm excited to see what these teams are going to look like. and I do think this has the potential to be a really strong year for the ACC top to bottom because of all those returning players coming back.
1: The other part about this is, and again, these conversations you have kind of in this point of the year lead the list and we're going to get to the quarterback list here in a moment that you guys cobbled together or that you've cobbled together, I should say, um, Everybody's doing lists. Packer talked about that last week. It's list season leads to talking season, and then ultimately we have practices and play, thank goodness. But here's the thing that also comes up when you start reading. There's no ironclad diamond in the ACC, okay? I mean, if Clemson is the favorite in this league and probably should be just based on 11 years of 10 or more, right? Um, But the idea of Clemson being the favorite in this league, there's still – Questions about Clemson. Some of them are bigger than others, but they're yet questions. Clemson's not this, you know, this end all be all at the end of the street. The other thing is Clemson's question is quarterback. Whereas at seven other schools, Andrea, eight other schools, nine other schools in the 14 team ACC, 14 team ACC, they're not glaring questions about quarterback. That, to me, now those schools may have other questions, but when your concern is this, that's a situation you've got to think about.
0: No question. And that's why, to me, when I sit here and I start thinking about Clemson and whether they should be the favorite to win the ACC, it starts and it ends with DJ Uyunglele and what we're going to see out of him this season. And when was the last time we sat here and questioned the quarterback play for Clemson going into a season? Maybe Kelly Bryant. Uh, And how long ago was that? So that has been a position that has been so rock solid for Clemson that you could just automatically pencil it in. And while I know their defense is probably going to be the best in the nation, if not one of the best in the nation, I keep coming back to what are we going to see out of DJU? And if we don't see the improvement out of him that we expect to see, Mm -hmm. is there going to be a situation where they decide we can't keep going here? We got to go to the true freshman Kate Klubnick and see if we can change things up a little bit. So that, to me is what makes it so difficult and continues to make it difficult for me when I look at Clemson and I sit here in a month, we're going to be picking our preseason favorites in the ACC. I don't know who (laughs) I'm going to pick right now because I don't know what we're going to get out of DJU. I didn't see enough in that spring game to make me think he's turned enough of a corner to pencil Clemson in automatically to win the ACC.
1: Yeah, good points. All right, when we come back, we will look at one publications list of ranking the 20 best quarterbacks brad crawford of 24 7 sports went down a hole he came out with a 1 to 20 there's an acc player or two on that list we'll talk about that and more when we return packer and durham on accn here's mark packer and Wes durham We're back to the uh, level up to the sixth grade with Andrea Adelson. We're playing uh, Night Fever. Did we play disco at the sixth grade party? I'm just asking. Fifth grade party, I'm sorry. Did we play disco? Uh, uh,
0: yeah. A little too young for disco, but there was some 80s music. I thought that was far enough back for them.
1: (laughs) Were you in charge of the music too? (laughs)
0: no no we hired a dj thankfully (laughs) that would have been a disaster there would have been no dancing it would have been a total dud if i was in charge of the music
1: Uh, if you missed the top of the show andrea was in charge of her daughter's graduation party in the fifth grade which featured the video game theme which is awesome by the way um there oh yeah we have pictures level up to the sixth grade it's so good. Where where did all these parties come from? That's all I want to know. Where did these parties... Nobody had anything when I left the fifth grade. Mrs. Watterson, my fifth grade teacher, goodbye, have a good summer, out the door you go. I mean, there wasn't a party... You maybe didn't have a lot of work the last day, whatever. Anyway, all right, we'll get to more of that later. That's I have. That's a bigger concern about where we are. Twenty four seven. Brad Crawford, bless his heart, decided he was going to do quarterback rankings, and here they are: ACC players in his top twenty five. He starts at nine with Devin Leary. NC State people rejoice. Tyler Van Dyke is ten. Sam Hartman, 11. Brennan Armstrong, 12. Malik Cunningham, 17. Keaton Slovis, 22. Phil Jakovic, 23. DJ Uyunglele, who we just talked about, 24, Andrea. Congratulations, Brad. God bless you for doing this.
0: Uh, Look, it was hard enough trying to rank the ACC quarterback, so trying to do this on a national scale definitely gets – I'll bless your heart, but I have questions about the list when DJ is on there. No offense to DJ, but when you throw more interceptions than touchdown passes in a season, which is what happened last year, I don't know that he would crack my top 25. He's not in the top half of my ACC quarterback rankings after I did them.
1: Okay. The list here is, and I will say this, Leary is starting to get his due, Andrea, Devin Leary is is. starting – people are starting to go, oh, wait a second. Oh, I know some of y'all have been talking about he's a really good player. And now all of a sudden, magically, Devin Leary's numbers, the last couple of years in particular, even in the injury-plagued portion of the uh, 20 season, are starting to be realized here on a national perspective. So so let me start there. With Leary at nine, what does that tell us about where he is – And is there an acceptance by people outside the ACC before the ball ever gets kicked this year as to how good he could be on the larger scale once the year begins?
0: Yes, there's absolutely an acceptance of that. And after I did the rankings, I actually reached out to a couple of uh, coaches inside the ACC To get their take and their viewpoint on where I had quarterbacks ranked, I think we can all agree who the top five are right now. And I don't disagree Mm. uh, with the top five ACC quarterbacks, maybe not in the order, but who they are on that list that we just saw. And there were some very interesting and different viewpoints on who these coaches believed were the number one quarterback in the league It wasn't Tyler Van Dyke, who a lot of people uh, potentially believe could get there at some point. One coach favored Malik Cunningham. And another coach favored Sam Hartman. And where Devin Leary fell in all of that was very interesting to me, too, because the one thing that stood out to me from one of the coaches that I talked to was, you know, with Devin Leary, you're going to get a guy who doesn't make mistakes. And that makes Mm. it really difficult To game plan against him because you're trying to force him to make mistakes, but he doesn't do it. And he's very efficient with where he puts the ball, where he gets the ball and getting his players to make some plays in the receiver core. Now, we all know that they're going to have to find another go to guy in the receiver group and they're going to have to find a a running back who has to step up and make some plays for them. But they're going to be strong on the offensive line once again. And with a guy like Devin coming back, that's why we've seen Mm. so much talk surrounding NC State and the possibility of them perhaps winning the Atlantic because of a quarterback like Devin Leary. But I didn't expect to hear from coaches that he wasn't number one. Now, again, it's a very small sample size. So I want to say that straight off the bat. And, of course, Dave Doran believes he's got the best quarterback in the country coming back, as he should. But because Devin is a guy, and you look at his stats, and you look at his numbers, who um, doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, doesn't turn the ball over, is efficient on third down, that's what makes him one of the best quarterbacks in the league.
1: All right, let's uh, let's let's deal with Van Dyke here a little bit because I think Van Dyke's runway is really interesting. He had a great year a year ago. Miami as a team, kind of very indifferent, and obviously there's a huge change. there. After watching the spring game, you can see, and again, I don't think Miami showed you a ton in the spring game, but his ability to do this, make plays on the run, have different arm slots, things like that, I mean, this is where he caught a lot of eyes last year. This guy making throws, the ability to move in the pocket. I mean, now, Andrea, they're going to be rock solid up front, right? I mean, there's a lot of reason to buy what he could be pretty quick if you're Miami, especially the week two trip to A&M.
0: Absolutely, and that's why we see where Miami is in those SP rankings because of the belief in Tyler Van Dyke And what he's going to do in this offense under Josh Gaddis, the belief that that offensive line is going to be better and stronger. They've got depth and talent at the running back position. They've got to find a go-to receiver again. I know this is going to sound like a familiar thing that I keep saying over and over, but with Tarleton Rambo gone, okay, who's going to step up in that position? They've got Restrepo and a couple guys coming back. But because of what Van Dyke did as a freshman, essentially out of nowhere, nobody expected him to even play last. Season with Derrick King coming in, and he was in the discussion, by the way. Derek King as one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC going into last season. Now we're talking about Tyler Van Dyke because of what he did last year. I think that's why a lot of folks, myself included, in the media have him number one in the ACC coming back. But the coaches that I talk to believe it's a smaller sample size for him. Compared to what we've seen out of Devin Leary and Sam Hartman and Malik Cunningham, for example, um, that makes Mm -hmm. them think Van Dyke has the potential and the upside to be number one but n- not at the start of the season. Maybe not right now. I believe he's got the potential and the upside to get there. He's got all the physical tools, all the measurables. As you said, he can make all the throws. Look what he did against Pitt last year. Look what he did against NC yeah. State last year. A lot of highlight plays for him. Uh, and so I, I have a lot of belief in him. And that's why I think Miami's going to be the preseason favorite to win the Coastal.
1: Hmm. Uh, I want to get Sam Hartman in here before we get to the top of the hour, because uh, even though the fact he's back for his eighth year at Wake Forest, um, the idea here that Sam Hartman is not, uh, I mean, this guy, and I know this is with, with David Hale and Dave Clawson, this can sometimes be a very fun discussion, but this guy wins and this guy continues to make plays. And this is a team right here that I think is going to be really good, and nobody's talking about them, Andrea. I mean, they're talking about them, but they're not talking about them.
0: Well, it's the same conversation with Wake Forest that it always is, even though they just came off of an 11-win season. And interestingly, of the couple coaches that I talked to, uh, one of them had Sam Hartman, number one. Uh, on his list of returning quarterbacks in the ACC because they love what he brings to the table as a guy who makes plays happen, can get out of the pocket, um, can, can uh, has A.T. Perry coming back, um, going to have a strong yeah. offensive line, but just has some of the grit, the moxie, the leadership that you want to see those intangibles that you want to see, and a veteran with that presence on the field because he started a whole lot of games. So uh, I have him number two, Uh, Because of all those things that I just mentioned, Wake Forest won 11 games. I don't think that gets talked about enough on a national scale Mm -hmm. for Wake Forest as a program to be able to do that um, is something that is historic and should get a lot more notice uh, and get a lot more people talking about Wake Forest going into this season, especially with Sam Hartman coming back. Uh, had a great performance in the bowl game, as Dave Klaassen has uh, said to a lot of us over and over. He was the second-team All-ACC quarterback <laughs> last year. How has he dropped in the estimation of some people, It's what he told David Hale uh, at, at spring meetings when we were in Amelia Island. Uh, but uh, I just love what Sam brings to the table. He's one of my favorite players to watch in the ACC.
1: Yeah, I think, it's, uh, I think the quarterback position is going to be fascinating. And don't worry, you don't have to commit to the rankings just yet. You still have a month or so before I'm sure somebody's going to want that on deadline. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, yeah. <laughs> when we come back, uh, we were all at Amelia Island uh, a couple of weeks ago. What did we learn there, and where do we think the impact of that talk is uh, is kind of launched? Uh, Schedule models and more coming up 8 o'clock hour with Andrea Adelson, West Durham, Packer and Durham on ACC Network.
0: Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.